1: Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. A late recording. I was in the Zwift van today at the TDU Stage 4, going to see the Wollonga Stage, Sons Wollonga Hill. Sacrilege, some might say, but it was a fun day. Nonetheless, going to see the riders presenting the Young Riders jersey, which is, of course, named by Zwift. But the stage started in Port Wollonga, which is on... Yeah, it's below Adelaide on the coast and it's pretty picturesque. Saw Bauhaus just sort of waiting to um go to the toilet and no <laughs> one knew who he was. Like people just were standing around him. I was like, he won a stage. He won a stage and no one knew. Anyway, that happened uh, before the stage. The things you see, the color of the race and... It then was cross, it was so windy, like the wind was so strong. We saw some like echelons of riders on the way out there trying to get there. Um, and they would do go in and do laps around Willunga with just doing the lower Willunga hill, which is about 1k 3.5% with some little steeper parts of it. And there was an exposed windy section as well. And it would finish on that climb. They'd go through the town like three times, including the finish. I believe with a course, a few intermediate sprints, but unfortunately for a Bilbao or Simon Yates, Both fifteen and sixteen seconds behind Vine on GC respectively. They were flat, so either break would take them or the bunch sprinters. Uh, Unfortunately for them, but yeah. Did you? You didn't get up, Benji? Did you? We gave you the the Uh, night off. You didn't.
0: I don't have to call me out like that. Like the one day that I don't wake up, you're calling me out here. Come on, come on, come on. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Now, on a serious note, I had my alarm set at four a.m. still. And I woke up for one second and deliberated whether I would open the stream or not and then closed my eyes again. So <laughs> that was not the most efficient decision. Now Couch that Peloton, being said, let him know.
1: Let Yeah, him I'm know. sorry,
0: Couch Peloton. My formal apologies to Couch Peloton, the King of Australia, the Queen of No, that's the Queen of England. No, I don't Kings know. Kings and Queens
1: quite. of Australia. Australian cycling.
0: <laughs> You're the king of Australia now. Anyway, breakaway. Jonas Rutsch, Daryl Impey. Those were the two riders in the breakaway. There, Impey, you're right that We really haven't seen that much when it comes to his own in this race. I would argue. So they clearly have caught the the attention with Corbin Strong instead of Impey because in the past those kind of finishes would have been Impey finishes and not Corbin Strong finishes. I would say at Israel. That being said, we uh, have that breakaway up the road, got like three minutes, and we go into the final 75 kilometers, and we we have a turn. I don't know if it was a right turn or a left turn because my memory shit. And we saw echelons happening. It was a uh, Bike exchange, so Jayco going to the front to get away two or three riders from UAE, including Jay Vine himself. And those two teams were the ones that kick-started echelons. And it were effective echelons this time around, but you would argue like 75 kilometers before the finish. Most of the time when that happens, that echelon doesn't make it to the finish line. But this one kept going. Now, who missed out on the echelon? Well, Bahas must have waited a bit too long at the toilet because he messed up and wasn't in the front part of the peloton <laughs> and Caden Gross was also not in the front part of the peloton so no, let's be honest about it not the the craziest losses when it comes to today's stage I didn't really see Bauhaus winning the sprint on an uphill sprint anyway and when it comes to Caden Gross that's a rider I did expect to do well on a finish like this but hey if you're not in the front peloton you can't sprint for the stage haha that's like the same analysis that you brought when it comes to <laughs> yeah, the in the tour my level <laughs> if you don't start a Tour de France, you can't win a Tour de France.
1: <laughs> and the top five uh, on GC were there, I think, as well. Yeah. So rarely will you see the second team on GC or the third team in this case, Jayco pays for seventy kilometers to keep the seventh place GC rider behind. Um, yeah,
0: but no, I think they
1: were mainly doing it for Matthews.
0: Oh, okay. I, I get it. Maybe. Well. Do we get it? Like the no, no, feel blind. like are behind.
1: They used Durbridge, but yeah, an 82 hour yeah. pulling as well. I don't really know why. Because Page was in the group and he took bonification. He leapfrogged frogged O'Connor today and it wasn't a stage that O'Connor could take back time, it'd be tomorrow. Maybe it was just keeping O'Connor safe. I'm not sure. I mean, I spoke to Seb on Israel before the stage, he said, you know, summarize was saying, Oh, well, Vine's gonna get caught out in the crosswinds. And it's, obviously, they haven't watched the best race in the history of cycling tour of Norway where they were Aber Echelons every stage on the plateaus, Ineos launching it, and UAE and no, he was on Alperson then. Vine was fine. But yeah, UAE just looked locked in. Jacob were yep. locked in, ag Two R was strong, Ineos were there, Sheffield and haters So it it didn't fully come back though, Benji. It's, but it swelled like a group, other groups did come back.
0: Yeah, that's true. Other groups did come back. Then other sections were once again stronger when it comes to echelons. It was a bit of a, an up and down when it comes to it. Now, there was a crash at 72 kilometers to go. I think Basso, Leonardo Basso, together with a few riders, and then I was guessing Taj Jones, but the commentary was, it was saying. Taj. Yeah, the commenter was saying Seb Berwick, but I was pretty sure that I if know, it was no. Seb Berwick that you'd be coming into this podcast prime. I wouldn't so. be here. <laughs> you'd be
1: at the, the hospital's hospital bed.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> intermediate sprint came a bit earlier. Uh, by the way, we hope that Taj Jones is okay because he was on the floor for quite a long time. Didn't see if he uh, got back up and continued. I think he got back up. But, um, oh, okay. Uh, then, then it's all fine. Anyway, next intermediate came at 63 kilometers to go. And um, Daryl MP took that one in the break ahead of Ruch. And uh, one second in the peloton for Michael Matthews. So that is a second for a rider that's not really a GC rider. Maybe it's 41 points that he gets from doing that. Maybe he's going for the, the points jersey in that sense. The gap now at this point is like 1 minute 10 between like the, the first peloton and the second peloton. We get to the second intermediate sprint. And there I need your input because I didn't see that sprint completely. And Hugo Pasch won that. So the breakaway has been called by then. Gets a three second. Kamal Gradek gets second and Simon Yates gets third. Leapfrogs Bilbao and GC, right? But yeah. there was some tension with Gradek?
1: Well, well UAE went too early and then he or she, I think, or someone lost the wheel with Vine on the wheel. So Vine was stuffed for the intermediate. Yeah. Um, bike exchange Jayco got it a bit better. Inios were there and don't know what happened again. Um, Graddock basically Yates was getting a lead out. Yates' lead out swings in front of Gradic. Graddock is riding in a straight line. Yates comes across to Gradic. Gradic is probably like 25 kilos heavier than him, conservatively. Um, yeah. the Polish ruler, and he just sticks his elbow out to be like, You were not gonna come through this space. And then, yeah, beats he basically was there to stop Yates taking more seconds away from Bill Bow, but. He, I don't know where they, whether he actually leapfrogged him. I thought they were equal on time. Um, I'll kill time while I open PCS to actually check that. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, I think Bill Bow will take, no, he did leapfrog him even though they're on the same time. Um, but there's points or bonuses up for grabs tomorrow, uh, the very hard stage tomorrow, which we'll preview in a second. But yeah, then it was the group swelled a little bit. Um, there was some, like Alperson were chasing hard behind. But you could see, I saw them before they did the lower Walanga for maybe the last time or second last time. They The, the gap was small, but they just looked yep. so tired and the group ahead looked fresh. They had multiple riders from different teams helping. Godon, um, Mickey Scherf, Asia 2R were just pacing really hard and you know Alperson were kind of the only ones and they were yeah fighting an uphill battle, battle literally at that point because whilst that climb wasn't hard, like in terms of, oh my God, the hardest climb I've ever seen, or like Corkscrew, still was a real leg sapper uh, each circuit. But anyway, we get to the finish. Group one's staying ahead. We have the majority of the punchy sprinters we expect, maybe minus Groves and a Bauhaus. And Bauhaus, he doesn't, he doesn't do well on these. Uh, Ackerman's actually quite <laughs> solid on these sort of finishes. Same with Pedersen, obviously, but they're not here. Yeah. Um, we see Ewan has one lead out man. Um, that's Jared Drizner so when are they going to use Drizner is he going to be last man late is he just going to pilot Ewan to a wheel how's he going to use him UAE are driving it to keep Vine at the front for the three kilometre rule which I presume applied today because it's not like a mountaintop finish or hilltop finish Um, they do that fine Vine and Bilbao and Yates don't contest this finish so there's no real changes in the front three Drisness brings you into the front at two point one to go very well, but Ewan then that's so early, Benji. Ewan then yeah. gets washing machined all yeah. the way back again. Because there's with an uphill finish, there's like another two plus minutes of fighting and jostling. And so with two point one ks to go, there's another there's so much time for everyone to come around and he gets washing machined back again. Or is it just Ewan's fault? Would Amaz Pedersen have stayed fifth wheel? Well,
0: I think Pedersen would have been able to stay in position better than Caleb Ewan. But that being said, he is in the in the disadvantage here that he is at the front so early. Because then you see a team like Iev and Ajizere come by his side, come past him with three, four riders. It's difficult for Ewan to remain in a position that matters there. And then that's not even the, the last wave of teams that comes by. Anton Marché comes on the left with four riders past everybody with two riders of Cofidis, last of which is... Brian Kokar also coming behind that team. So that's another two waves, two teams that comes over the teams that were already at the front. And that's really how we go into the last kilometre with Kofidis being the lead-out for Kokar. I don't know who was giving the lead-out to Kokar for the team. Alex Renard. Okay, thank you very much. Very good lead-out because it was a really long one, especially yeah. on an uphill lead-out. But then again, the sprint of Kokar was also pretty damn long.
1: <laughs> well... He kind of, Corbin Strong was second wheel. I was like, oh, that's fine. But then, and Leipinj was third wheel. And this is the first time I got really confused with Trek and Archaea and Kofidus and Ineos and Bahrain. In the maelstrom, I couldn't figure out who was who. I was like, is this a Trek leader? Is this Bristenga leading out Lapinge? Anyway, Strong gets left on the front too early. He decides not to open up. But he sort of keeps the momentum through the corner that then Renard kicks again or whoever it is. I think it might have been ooh, Trek lead out, maybe Berry. And Cockard just opens up from so far out. And it's like yeah. he jumps so early that Matthews wasn't ready to jump. No one else <laughs> is even thinking about jumping. And then because he gets such a gap initially, goes to the left barrier. It becomes a mano imano, like who's gonna to close to his wheel? No one's actually getting any draft of him. And he doesn't provide much draft in the first place. And because we saw him in Provence, and I didn't mention him for today's stage, which is remiss of me, but and maybe this is changing cycling changing, but you know, I thought, okay, the Australians and Kiwi's gonna be sharper. I don't know how Lecoq is gonna go in the southern hemisphere. Yeah. In in Australia and in January. In World
0: Tour. He's never won a
1: World um, Tour race? Oh, but like, he's competed in dot pro stages <laughs> <or better laughs> yes. and won, right, you know, he's competed in better. It's more
0: like
1: is he waiting for, well, Tour de Provence. Or not. Anyway, he won a stage in Tour de Provence that was very, very similar to this, to Manosque, with a very long sprint, maybe even against Pedersen. I think it was against Ghana. Ghana um, sprint. It was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He came like third or something. Um, And he, it was a harder finish than this. And I didn't know his shape. I should have maybe asked Corks through it, and he just destroys everyone. That's the analysis. Lecoq just ruined everybody on this uphill finish because we don't have Pedersen here. We don't have Roblich here. We don't have Pogaccia here. Um, but even so, Bling is, you know, Bling came second or third on that Lausanne finish in stage eight of the tour. Similar like hard uphill drag. And yeah, like Lecoq. Probably can't win a TDF stage because of Wout or MVP or Pagash or Alaphilippe, but he should be able to win more World Tour stages this year, I think. Yeah, he's
0: been close in the past. I remember there was a a Tour de France stage where he ended on a millimeter of, whether it was Kittel back in the day? I vaguely remember that. That was a a really close sprint as well. He's that sprinter-like. This is going to be a really terrible comparison, but hang with me for a second. Like Mareshko is the kind of sprinter that has the incredible acceleration. Kokar has that acceleration as well, but didn't necessarily have the top speed to compete with the top sprinters. Obviously, I rate Kokar higher than Modeshko. Let that get out of the out of the clear for a second. And also, Modeshko can't get over hills, and Kokar can. <laughs> so that's also a very viable uh, selection here. But he should be winning more than he is, I think, with the qualities that he has. But he also had bad luck last year. Wasn't he out with COVID just before the Tour de France started last year?
1: I'm not sure. Because, yeah, it would have been a tour that suits him. Has he ever done the Vuelta? That's what I I want to know. He's done one Vuelta in a 10-year career, which is like, and I guess for the majority of that, he was on BNB and Vital Concept, Direct Energy, Europe Car. Um, I think they're all the same team. or Maybe a lot of them are the same team. But, like, (laughs) confidence care a lot more about the Vuelta than those teams, Cofidis have been a long-standing yeah. sponsor of the Vuelta. I'd like to see him at the Vuelta uh, this year or the next. If, but they kind of have to send him to the Tour <laughs> as well because he's one of their best riders. But he'll become more valuable, especially in this new point system, with stages being weighted a lot more heavily in stage races. Is this
0: specific sprint by Car the first, thermo biblical sprint launch?
1: Uh like what in in LRCP history.
0: Yes, of course. Like Cavendish no, back in the day was not. It, no? <laughs> uh, have we called something a thermobiblical sprint?
1: Yeah, I think MVDP when he did the <laughs> if you have to watch on YouTube for that. It's when, it's when he beat Ala and Wow in Torreno, maybe twenty twenty one. Um I think I called that thermo something. I'm pretty sure oh, okay, I applied yeah, the yeah, thermo yeah. moniker to it. Maybe not on the pod, but yeah, that was I a pretty good sprint. I thought we the had a, was a great sprint. <laughs> I will round out the top ten. Cockard, beating Bettyol, then Page. Anyway, strong Matthews, good on my offer Hyduk, you and Hater eleventh. So Hyduk and Hater both kind of going for it.
0: I didn't get what Inyos were doing with both Hayduk and Hater sprinting because Hager was trying to fight positioning. By himself in the middle of the pack with 1.5k one, 1. to go, was trying to move up himself while Hajduk was doing the same. If you use Hajduk to lead out Hater here, then Hater has an actual chance of competing here. But that's not the case. Or is there, do you think that there's this mentality with the Ineos that because Hater is always at the back of the peloton, that their teammates are like, well, what can we do to help you, man? Like, do you think there's something like that in there? Or.
1: I don't know what's going on. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've been trying to piece it together all week. Um, I think yeah. I think it's kind of a to me it looks like a bit of a UAE situation. Like everyone's you know harder have your own chance. Sheffield gets to go for his own chance. Platt goes for KOM. Hayter goes for his own chance. Um, that's kind of what it looks like to me. I guess G G did a decent pull. I think G actually did a yeah. nice lead out today. So and Swift are kind of working. Clearly it's domestiques, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. Um, to be honest.
0: all Um, he had a sprint where he was launching his sprint through riders, where I think Liepins was on the left in front of him and some other dude was on the right in front of him, might have been Paj. Bling. And he sprints in bling between. Was it Bling? Was Bling? Okay. I think bling. He sprints in between. And he he kind of goes to the left too early after going through the riders, where he ends up hitting. Lippens and almost crashing Lippens. Now, when I see that, I say, yeah, that's a mistake. And it almost crashed Lippens. It's obviously not on purpose. He's not doing this on purpose. But what do you say to a sprint like that? Because he, he goes through two riders. He passes the riders before he moves to the left. But Lippens is still on his left while he moves to the left. So that's a deviation on paper. But like he's already got a punishment, by the way, for throwing the beat on. 2,000 Swiss franc and 100 UCI points down for for Yev.
1: Damn. <laughs> it's an expensive bid on I think <laughs> I'll need to check the tape. Was Lapinge on the hoods rather than the drops? Because I don't know, anyway, like Betty Old clips his right hand and pinch just full double unclips and somehow keeps it up. Nearly goes yep. into the barriers. Incredible save. Again, if he goes down we're talking about this completely differently. Everyone yep. will be talking about it and, you know, Disqualification. O, strong chance he gets disqualified, but he didn't crash. So it's obviously not dangerous. Um, whether you want to call <laughs> it a deviation or not, like <laughs> deviate, you don't need to deviate to get disqualified for saying in a sprint, in my opinion, like, well, no, not yep. in my opinion, in the rules, dangerous or reckless behavior also is sufficient for sanction. So it's so whether you subjectively think, Squeezing through a gap that's too small or is it not too small? Is it the fact that Bling, you know, moved a tiny bit from the right? Not a real deviation, but there was a there was a gap. The two of Le Pinge and Bling, when they both shift their weight, it then squeezes a bit narrower. Betty All's already committed to the gap. Is that just sprinting? I'd have to look at it, you know, closer again. I'd probably lean towards, ooh, like... It wasn't a good look, but it is January. So, you know, police holiday, sprint police holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on that. Um, so, <laughs> I'll be like the Gucci commerce. Maybe, maybe, Benji, they'll sanction him on Tuesday, like they did for the bid on. Like, yeah. <laughs> there'll be a 48 hour delay. <laughs> perhaps,
0: perhaps. Now, there's something I want to mention that we didn't mention after stage three. Did you know that Sven Erik Bischterm was fifth on the corkscrew stage? This guy is so Indeed. underrated. Nine Final Garv last year. He was also close on that Hater Andalusia or something stage that you made a video yeah, of at yeah. some point.
1: Al- Alcala Real 1K%. Yeah.
0: Like this is such an underrated versatile domestique.
1: Was he on UAE or not? Yes, he was.
0: He's a Christophe buddy in the past. <laughs>
1: It's funny because they kind of need him, don't they? <laughs> like, he <laughs> would have been it's pretty true. useful. <laughs> they kind of the rider they need, but he went down to show with Christoph. but then he signed for a year longer than Christoph, so he couldn't go to UNOX. Maybe all right, his contract, I assume, is up. Maybe he'll go to UNOX. He's a pretty solid rider. It's fine. He's,
0: he's really bloody good. Like, he's genuinely underrated. Less, he's one of those on. domestiques. He
1: is the legend, that's, man. He's a legend.
0: <laughs> he's the new Alex Aramburu, okay?
1: Well, you don't need to be rude about Bistrom. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah oh. I mean, I thought you'd try to pump the guy up. <laughs> um No, nah, he he's a good solid writer. He is, he's very versatile. Um, on his day I remember he was in a Dauphiné break the stage Thomas won from that late attack it was like super hilly he was quite strong in that move went solo dropped the rest of the break from memory Uh, he's a good rider but yeah that's that's the stage. In terms of GC, it's Vines to lose. He remains 15 seconds ahead of his nearest rival, which is Bill Bow and now also Simon Yates. But I think he'll be happy that Bill Bow didn't take any time because 15 yeah. seconds is a lot to make up on the next stage. Sheffield remains in fourth on 45 seconds, Schmidt on 46, Hayter on 50, Bistrom 54, Page 56, and bury ninth on 58, O'Connor 1 minute back in 10th, just doing some quick maths. For example, Page if he takes an intermediate and the stage, he goes into 4th. He can go from 8th to 4th. He also went already went from 16th to 8th today. The gaps from 4th to ninth is 13 seconds. So there are really tight gaps there. It's just a big 30-second gap uh, from the podium to Sheffield. Speaking of which, I actually, thanks to Zwift, got to present Magnus Sheffield with the Young Riders jersey today, <laughs> which is also sponsored by Zwift, which was cool to do. The 20-year-old American, big, big talent, obviously not the last not the last leader's jersey he'll be wearing probably in the next couple of months if he does <laughs> uh, any other stage races, um, winner of Rebunse. 2025 Hale. Tour. I did call him for 2025 Tour. Um I didn't say that to him. I thought it'd be a bit weird. (laughs) 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 He was like, hey, by the way, yellow jersey in about 18 months. (laughs) No, that's longer than 18 months, isn't it? I can't do maths either. Tomorrow, Benji. Mount Lofty from Unley. Hard stage. Our version of the Bass Country uh, final stage. 114Ks up and down the whole time. It's harder than it looks. This is quite a tough little finish. It's got steep pinches. Lofty's is one and a half k's at six point five percent, but there's a lot of climbing before it. Can Bilbao or Yates do anything to Yates and just, uh, do anything to Van and the strong UAE team on this?
0: Oh, the climb is not the hardest when it comes to the gradients. Hey, eh? we're talking about the last four hundred meters of Mount Lofty being the steep ones. The last hundred meters are roughly ten percent, but all the rest is between a three percent and a seven percent, like ups and downs in it. So. I would say that this is likely not going to be the most selective stage either, because you'd have to make it a real attrition stage, going really early with hammering it. And do the teams have enough strength to perform like that throughout the race? Jake might have the strength to make it hard, but UAE has a lots of teammates and strong teammates like Hirschi, Bennett and so forth that are going to matter for Vine here. So. I personally feel like Vines going to remain in the leader jersey and will win the Santos Jordan-under. And I think there's a, when it comes to second and third, Simon Yates and Bilbao could share that either way. That could depend on intermediate sprints. That could depend on the final sprint. Yates' sprint is not dog shit. There's a, a two out of ten chance that Yates beats Bilbao in a final sprint, I would say. But when it comes to the rest, we're still talking about major change in the rest of the top ten. But, but will Jaco even go to
1: the in a final
0: spring? That's that's a big question because Matthews could not win this stage. And is this hard enough for a Kocar? Is this too hard for a Kocar? The last four hundred meters. I need to look at Paranis
1: stage eight, one of the harder ones. I don't know. He's been okay at that. I don't know. Like, I think it. I think he can get around it. He was in group two in Corkscrew.
0: Yeah, I've got the same feeling. And the group should be smaller as well, so an even hater should be able to compete a bit better than the last few days, I would say. This is too hard for Caleb Ewan, though, based on today's performance. Or was it more the positioning, you say?
1: Not happening, I don't think. Uh, and I think because it's going to be raced aggressively, too. Of course, if they noodle around the course, you know, Ewan might make it, or, or whoever is Strong. Or Groves. I mean, strong really should. Maybe it'll suit strong better that it's even more selective and it's he's yeah, um, sprinting against Bilbao and Yates and co. That might suit him even more. Like, if I was Israel, I would make it super hard. If Corbin feels good and his, f- his fitness is good, I would make it Impey, Berwick. I would make it super selective. So you basically have him sprinting against climbing sprinters like a Bilbao.
0: On paper, he should indeed be competing, but the New Zealand Zebra, I spoke to him after a race, and he said that he didn't have the legs today that he had the last couple of days. So let's hope the the legs of the last couple of days can return for this final stage of the Sanderson Under. And there's other riders. they like all the Frenchmen that were in the top five today. Like, in a way, getting all... He was good on today's parkour. Now, tomorrow might be a bit too hard, I think. That's like the opposite extreme, I think. But we haven't seen the potential yet because Penawe is still a young rider. He's one of those Groupama Conti boys. He went earlier to the the World Tour team than the other Conti boys uh, throughout the season, I think, in the middle of the season. But Ugo Pas could—is uh, it too difficult for Pas? I don't know.
1: Well, I would... Koví, uh,
0: or will yeah. Vine sprint to secure his GC?
1: That's the thing. Like you have to—they have to lead out Vine. Don't? I think Vine sprint is now underrated. Like what? if you if you give him a correct lead out, I think he can beat Bill or Yates. Can he beat? I don't know. Oh, Strong gotcha. no. Taddy Pagachi, no. <laughs> well, like, I mean, <laughs> Pagachi, yeah, like he's a, he can win bunch prince. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a really interesting point. Do UAE play numbers? Do they be aggressive to be defensive? You know, he or she's close on GC. He's like fringe top 10, I think. Do you, and here or she, I think, well, Hirshi, I think wants to go for this. If you, if if he's being honest, I think they should. Like, yeah. If you're Hirshi, you'd want to go for this stage,
0: especially because on Corkscrew, we didn't mention this, but
1: he was good as we well. were
0: celebrating UAE there when it comes to their strategies of going all out for Vine. But on Corkscrew, he was chasing Vine's group with yeah. other riders <laughs> in his wheel. So yeah, Bill Brown is. There wheel. was a bit of tension there. Hirshi was still going for his GC all out. And he didn't care that Vine was up the road. If he could catch him, he was trying to catch him, one hundred percent. So I would say that he or she probably also wants to win the stage. I agree. There. I
1: agree. I agree. I think he will. Um, I think you can do it in a way that it benefits both. By maybe, uh, you know, you can have he she be aggressive and then put Bill Bilbao Yates themselves under pressure and put put Vine in a seat. But you know, it could be a tricky little stage. Will they kick it off on the second ascent of Lofty? Seems unlikely. I think, I think if anything, it will kick off 87Ks in on that Lofty and then step descent. Can they stay away in the finish? Yeah. But really, you could go for Hirschi or Covey in the finish, in the sprint. Covey, I think you get Covey on a flyer, Benji, like when he won that Under Lucia stage. You let him go. If you if you set up the lead out, let his wheel go. Kovey can win this on a flyer. Make Bilbao chase if it's been selective,
0: because you're forcing Jayco to just keep on pacing and Bahrain to keep on pacing and not focus on yep. attacking Vine in the progress in the process. But you have to keep in mind. Let's say Kovi goes and Matu's responds to that, then you've got another issue or not? Nah, no, he's on like two and a half mins oh never mind <laughs> never mind yeah <laughs> that mechanical closer, completely
1: man. changed this race <laughs> imagine if imagine if jaco had yates on 15 seconds and bling on like 10 45. seconds well I, he yeah, probably would have been on awesome. 10 seconds if he was in group that corkscrew group because um, he was already ahead of the other climbing guys yeah. because of the bonuses so say loses 30 that would be That'd be tough because Blink can go long too. Um, but we don't have that. Yeah. So anyway, it, it should be a really good stage tomorrow. It should be aggressive. I mean, they were super aggressive today. Corkscrew, Nettle Hill, it's been really aggressive. No just walking around the last couple of days. I'm really looking forward to it. Maybe Ineos will get it right. Um, it is a hater stage. Like, should suit him. Um, but it should be good nonetheless. I reckon the young, the French guys are flying, young and old. So could be Vive la France again tomorrow. Anyway, thanks as always. Thanks to Zwift for the opportunity to present the their young rider's jersey today. And we'll see you with the uh, winner's recap tomorrow. Ciao. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat
0: owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.